and you know what that music means. We are back. New episode of Quick Hits coming out for you guys. Uh, appreciate y'all listening around and supporting this podcast. Uh, make sure, if you haven't already, to go subscribe to my NFL Draft newsletter. Uh, link is in Instagram and Twitter bios. It's kind of just a MailChimp newsletter that I've been sending out. Uh, having a lot of fun stuff in there for all my draft content. There will also be a uh, 2021 NFL Draft Guide that we'll be putting out the week of the draft. Really excited. It's basically going to be the culmination of, of everything the newsletter is. Uh, final mock draft, big board, uh, grades for all my top. I believe it's 150 prospects is what we're ending with. It might be 125 if I just am screwing that up, but it's around that range. So make sure to uh, sign up for that. Uh, today's podcast, we bring in a familiar face, Teddy Pristash from all the way in Syracuse, New York, joins us. We have a Jets-filled podcast for you guys. Obviously, one of the more uh, prevalent teams in recent news, trading away Sam Darnold uh, for some draft compensation, which turns their eyes to uh, select Zach Wilson and make him the new- next franchise quarterback in New York. Uh, we talk about that, uh, the trade, the signing the draft and we take a look at the entire free agency period that the Jets have had and then I give him a final I make him give me a final record prediction for next season so hope you guys all enjoy the conversation make sure to like review subscribe to the podcast uh, appreciate your continued support and without further ado here's my conversation with the good man Ted it has been months since our good friend Teddy Prostash has joined us on the podcast we welcome him back in for a full New York Jets segment uh, Teddy, last time we had you on, we were picking games against the spread for the entire regular season. Right towards the end, the Jets had uh, blown their chances at getting Trevor Lawrence. Months have gone by, lots of changes have been made. How are you doing before we get into into our Jets topics? I'm good, man. You know, I'm excited to be back on the pod with you. I've, I've missed doing this every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to talk some Jets, man. Yeah, man. Crazy, crazy offseason. You know, oh, yeah. moves moves that we've all expected. You know, we obviously knew Adam Gase was going to be on his way out, and that started the, I guess, fallout of, of all the moves that have happened. And up to this point, the most recent one, which is right where we'll start off, uh, your boy, number 14, Sam Darnold, headed to the Carolina Panthers. In return, you get a six-round pick this year and a second and fourth-round pick for 2022. My first question before we talk about the Darnold and, and his tenure with with the Jets and everything that transpired in between it. Uh, thoughts on the return? Because uh, you know, personally, I wasn't expecting even a second round pick to be thrown in there. Now you know it's a it's a year down the road, so it's like okay, maybe it's not going to be as good then. Maybe it could be, but what are your thoughts on kind of the the trade itself and the return that you guys got? Yeah, I mean, it, when I first saw the. The, the report and I saw the six rounder I was definitely like oh boy like <laughs> what did we do here you yeah. know um but then once I once I kept reading and I saw a six and a second and a fourth you know I'm honestly impressed um with, with the amount they were able to get just because I mean I know there were those reports saying he was gonna go for a first rounder which I always thought that was blasphemy mm-hmm. and then even a second rounder you know it seemed a second rounder this year seemed possible but even that i mean it delaying the second rounder a year but then still being able to get three picks out of it i'm honestly really impressed um and i also heard a report that that they've been talking for for weeks now and that basically the panthers just kept subtly raising their price you know until joe douglas uh decided to pull the trigger on an offer so so i I like that i like that 
Uh, he got multiple picks out of it. I like that. It sounded like he kind of got them to go up over time, even though it kind of seemed like Darnold's market was gone. So, mm-hmm. so in terms of return, that's how I feel. You know, I, I, I think I'm pretty happy with it. But in terms of the trade overall, I mean, I think it's the best thing for the Jets. Mm-hmm. It was obviously coming. All the fans who kind of said it wasn't coming, I just really think they were living in in denial um, because everyone really knew this was going to happen. Um, I'm I'm still rooting for Sam. I still love Sam, but but yeah, I think it needed to happen. Yeah, I'm on the on the same side. It needed to happen. The fresh start. You know, it's not the GM or the head coach that were around when he was drafted. Um, sure, they must. They, they they probably think in the same similar sense of Ryan Tannehill and his jump to the Titans. It's like, look, there's probably something here. Um, but you know, given the opportunity and what it seems to be is that Joe Douglas and and Robert Sala and the offensive you know um, assistants there with the Jets now, it seems like they spent a lot of time taking a look at this quarterback draft class and they knew they weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, and there are a few names out there, and we'll talk about the draft a little bit later on. But it just seemed to the point of like, okay, look, they, they fell in love with a guy. I think it's pretty clear we know who that guy is. Um, but they just came up to that decision. I think I think Joe was, you know, very honest throughout the entire offseason. And I think it was a report. It was even, you know, I think it started as soon as the regular season ended. It's like, look, the Jets are going to take their time with this. They understand that the, the market for Sam Darnold is not going to be necessarily as as hot as it was for, you know, these other quarterbacks that were available, you know, even a guy like Carson Wentz, who, you know, has already, you know, been given his extension. We saw him go first, you know, we saw Stafford go before we saw some other trades and free agency signings unfold. So, um, you know, really Joe Douglas took this honest approach. He said, look, we're going to spend some time looking at these quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to listen to probably some potential offers for the number two pick. If we fall in love with the guy, we're going to move on from Sam. And if not, We'll unload, get a ton of picks, and try and build this team around Sam. It kind of just seems like they really did fall in love with a quarterback uh, that's available at, at the number two pick. Um, you know, it was really surprising to me, you know, this this sense that Carolina makes it makes the move. I had been pinning Carolina to take whatever quarterback is going to fall uh, at pick number eight. And whether that is, you know, a team like... Um, you know, whether that's a guy like Justin Fields, who just seems to be falling down everybody's draft board, uh, or a Trey Lance. I, I thought one of those guys would be available at eight. What seemed to have happened is Carolina probably was trying to trade up to that number four pick because now it's being reported the Falcons are shopping it. You have to imagine the Panthers were like, hey, let's get up there, but a division rival isn't going to want to give their rival a franchise quarterback. So I think the the Panthers at that point knew that the Falcons were going to trade out. They weren't going to trade out to them. So at that point, they're only getting the fifth best quarterback in this class. Um, and, and maybe, you know, another team would have jumped them anyway. So they say, all right, get some mid-round picks. We'll take a flyer on Sam Darnold. There's a lot of talent that's going to be around him. I mean, think about the names. You know, you reunite him with Robbie Anderson, who they've had some familiarity with each other in their time in New York. DJ Moore. Uh, you know, they lose Curtis Samuel, but I'm sure they'll have other receivers in there too in that wide receiver three kind of role. Uh, Christian McCaffrey um, and, and, and and a good coaching staff with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. So, you know, I was never I was never in love with Sam Darnold. You know, for the years that I, I was not a, a lover of his game. Carolina is one of those situations where I could see it work just simply based off the fact that he's got a lot around him that'll go a long way in, in, in making life easy for him. Um, you know, that offense, 
that, that, you know, and we saw kind of Teddy Bridgewater be the first one to operate under it last year. A lot of those intermediate throws, you know, between 5 and 20 yards. And, and Sam, uh, you know, passing chart-wise has graded extremely well on intermediate throws. So you say, okay, well, maybe they can enhance something there in the upgrade of talent. And just the overall fresh start, how, how are you going to feel, Teddy, if he goes to Carolina? Because I know you want to root for him. But how are you going to feel if uh, if Sam goes on and he and he has a long career in the NFL? How, how are you going to feel about that if he has success? Um, you know, say he makes a Pro Bowl once, or if he's just an above-average starter. Um, you know, that's a guy that you gave up a lot of draft capital to move up to three. He was supposed to be the franchise guy and was kind of ruined. How is there going to be any bad feelings about how it went down? You know, I, I really I appreciate that question because it, it is kind of one of the most um, intriguing parts of, of the mindset and the psyche of a Jets fan right now after in the, in the aftermath of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I look at it is is that really I just think that, I mean, as everyone has said, the organization failed him, you know, and... Whatever you think about Sam Darnold and whether you think he's a good quarterback or a bad quarterback, the answer has to still be that it's an unknown because of what the Jets did, because of McCagnin hiring Adam Gase and and throwing away two years, you know, and then Mm -hmm. McCagnin gets fired and they bring in Joe Douglas. And I I think that Joe Douglas has done a good job, but but it it just really was one of those things where where Sam Darnold was not going to succeed this year. Um, And and. How would I feel if, if he went on and did something great? You know, I personally, that's what I'm rooting for. And part of me just wants to root for that because, because I've invested so much time believing that this guy is going to be, going to be good and going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the more interesting dynamics of it that I think, that I think is kind of getting, getting buried a little bit is when the Jets, when the Jets were on their coaching search in, in 2018 and they ended up hiring Adam Gase, they, they failed to interview Matt Rule, you know, and and that was one of those things that a lot of Jets fans, myself included, really wanted them to do was go out and, and at least interview the guy um, to bring in. And instead, they go, they hire Adam Gase, you know, Matt Rule goes and, and takes a job with the Panthers, I guess, last year. And but it's, it's just going to be an interesting dynamic to see, OK, well, if he succeeds with this guy, maybe that could have been the Jets a few years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. No, um, yeah. So. So I definitely, I definitely do um, think that at the end of the day, Sam is going to look a lot better than he did these, past, especially this last year, but the past two years in general. Um, and and I do think that there is the potential of oh we look back and oh we gave up Darnold and now he's going to succeed. But but I truly believe that that if he stayed, he wouldn't have succeeded here. Hmm. Um, and even if he would have. That that number two pick is just it's such a commodity and and you you can't guarantee that you're going to be in a high draft position in the next couple of years um, and I think you just have to take the shot when you can yeah. and and get that rookie deal I mean if you look if you really look uh, take out all the Patriots years in these past there has been so many years where where the teams who win the Super Bowl have their quarterback on a rookie deal you know mm-hmm. um, and I just I really think that that is the tried and true way to, to build a team, you know, and that's your Super Bowl window when you can find a guy. Um, so I just really think that the Jets are making making the best decision. Yeah. Um, and, 
Well, I'll let you go ahead. Well, no, that, that's that's a great point because you're in a situation where even if Darnold takes it, stays with the Jets next year, you load up this team around him, and it goes better next year. Then what do you have? You have a, a pending free agent where you've got one season of above-average play, but you're also have to understand that you know this offense that is moving from San Francisco what it has been predicated on is just minimizing the work or effort needed out of quarterbacks and we've seen quarterbacks in this system a guy like Jimmy G you know he made it to the Super Bowl you know throwing 12 passes a game in the playoffs and it's it's a it's an offense that doesn't really need a great quarterback, but in that same sense, when you have a rookie who's you know a, a top five pick, he has one good season heading into his contract year. Then you're stuck in this predicament of okay, well, what do we pay Sam Darnold? Say say right. say we're even five hundred next year with Sam, but he has a good year, and it's like okay, we have something here. Do you really pay him a ton of money based off of that? Um, and, and you know that's why you're right. It's it's like those things. It's like if you're gonna try and build a, a Super Bowl window in in a three or four year span, it's so much better to do it off of a rookie contract. And um, and so it seems like that's the way that they're going. Uh, before we get to the number two pick, because you did bring that up, uh, one word to describe the Sam Darnold era. What would you go with? If you need a second, I can go first because I just thought of one. I I mean. Disappointing. Disappointing. That's all it can be, right? I mean, it, it is just, it, it was, when we drafted Sam Darnold, the feeling and the belief that I had, especially after his first first season, you know, I really thought that this was going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's just, it's disappointing, and it's like, what could have been, you know? But yeah. I personally like to, like to blame Adam Gase, you know? Yeah. And, and I really do think that that's what it comes down to. And, and we'll get into a little bit when we talk about the, the rookies. But, but I really think that in this league, people want to crown quarterbacks, you know, and, and obviously you have to be talented. Obviously you have to be good. But at the end of the day, you got to be surrounded by a team and a coaching staff that's going to help you. And, and I just don't think that Sam Darnold ever really got that. And, and, I mean, if you look at the team over three years, it did nothing but regress in terms of the people around him, you know. So I just say disappointing and and sad. I'm going to go with Ghost. I hate you. It's, it's, it's fair. You know, you know, obviously Sam Darnold's big moment was, you know, he admitted he was seeing ghosts in the Patriots game. But I also think that the Jets now, you know, you kind of are left with the ghost of, of Adam Gase and kind of what he's left around. He got to play with the ghost of Le'Veon Bell, who we've seen kind of just fall completely off the map, um, you know, especially, you know, when he went to Kansas City. Uh, ghost seems like a pretty fitting way. It's just like a haunted few years for Jets fans. I just, it's going to go down oh, as one yeah, of those. you're right, honestly. It's one of those spans it's where it's just, just. It's just, I mean, it's exactly that. It's it's what what could it have been if things had gone differently, you know, with the coaching hire, with with just the way that, uh, I don't even know. Well, yeah. well, and it transitions right into here because it's starting fresh. This is that new era again. And, and hopefully yeah. we've got the right people in the building. You know, like I said, I, I am a fan of Joe Douglas. Um, I am a fan of Robert Sala. And I am a fan of, of whatever quarterback is going to be picked at number two between the two guys that I would prefer. Um, big, big 
decision to make with the number two overall pick. Uh, you know, obviously you're missing out on Trevor Lawrence, who is the safest pick of this first round and, and the safest pick at quarterback to me since Andrew Luck and to a lot of people since Andrew Luck. Um, at number two, take me through the, the thought process here because it seems like the Jets are all, you know, uh, completely focused on Zach Wilson. Adam Schefter sat, uh, sent him a text this morning saying, welcome to New York. Uh, which is just yep. hilarious, just to for you know one of the uh, world's top reporters to just be like, yeah, that's probably going to be it at number two. While there still is some debate potentially, uh, take me through your thought process here. I you know we've talked a, a lot off air about Justin Fields, about Zach Wilson. Give a give me your perspective on this second overall pick and and what you think is going to come out of it. Yeah, I mean it's just like I just said. I, I really do think that that at the end of the day. These guys are talented, you know, and between Wilson and Fields, that's kind of the two that I look at. And and I do think they're both talented. And I do think they're both good. Um, but again, like I just said, I really think it's going to come down to the environment that that quarterback is in, you know, and obviously a, a quarterback can come in and just be horrible regardless of a good environment. But But the odds of that happening are so much smaller. So I just really think that First of all, whoever the Jets do pick, I think it just depends on what they do elsewhere if that person is going to succeed. You know, when you go back to that 2018 draft when we selected Sam Darnold and, and you look at all those other quarterbacks in the class with Baker and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, and, and I truly think that if the Jets had gotten any one of those other three guys, they'd probably have been in the same boat that they're in right now. Mm-hmm. I really do think that. Um I mean, you're right. Everything seems to be pointing to Wilson, and and I think that almost anyone that you would talk to would put their money on Wilson being the pick at two. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to listen to Joe Douglas um, because he, he definitely doesn't give a lot. That's kind of what what he's known for. You know, he's not going to tip you off. But yeah. at the same time, at the same time, sometimes you can kind of dissect what he's going to say. So so for example. Um, when Joe Douglas was on the Michael K show talking about maybe if they were going to deal Sam or if they were going to keep him, they asked him if, and they said, you know, does, does the money, does the money that you'll have to pay Sam in a year go into this decision? You know? And he goes, he goes, yeah, well, I mean, of course it does. And it's something to think about. And, and you have that, you have that option to hit the reset button and, and have more, more money and more assets to, to go elsewhere, you know? And I really thought that was a nod however many months ago that was to that, the fact that, okay, this guy's not going to keep Sam. He's going to, he's going to go out and he's going to get his quarterback at two. Um, and then today in the press conference, someone asked him, they said, they said, how do you factor in level of competition? You know, because that's been one of the biggest knocks on Wilson is, mm-hmm. Oh, he doesn't play anyone good. So the level of competition's not there. And, you know, he completely disregarded it. He basically said like, you know, the player can't decide, what the what the level of competition is they just have to go out there and play um so we really just try to try to look at that and and make our decision outside of that you know and i i really do think that 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 indicates that he really is into wilson you know right no that's a really good point i didn't even notice um that comment you know yeah yeah and 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 i do i just just to touch on wilson you know that's that's the big worry is okay he's had one good year at at BYU where he didn't have a lot of competition. But I personally, I put no stock in that 
simply because you look at where the starting quarterbacks in the NFL went to college, you know, it's usually a pretty diverse list. It's not, oh, Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, Georgia, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's usually, it's usually these, these. Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes, Louisville, Lamar Jackson. Texas Tech, you have, you have all these different places where people play. And, and I just do think I don't put stock in that. And I'm, I'm hoping that the, the scouting people, you know, that's not really my, my thing, my department. I'm hoping those people get it right. Mm-hmm. I hope they love Wilson for a reason because they think he can fit in this offense. And I just, you know, like I said at the beginning, I really hope that they can surround this guy with the talent and the coaching staff and, and give him, actually coach him so they can help address whatever whatever issues he does have you know mm-hmm. um and just to touch on fields quick because because that's kind of the other option in my mind i love everything about fields i think he can make all the throws i i i really do put a lot of stock in in the way he played in that playoff game while hurt you know still battling out there for his team i really love love stuff like that i think that's awesome and i think it tells a lot about a lot of a lot about a player I know people want to say you can't just look at one game, but but just to be able to play through an injury like that and still and still ball out on the biggest stage, mm-hmm. I think that's something you can't ignore. Yeah. Um, so I would be just happy with uh, going with Fields, but at the end of the day, I do think Wilson's just the pick at this point. I think all all signs point to that. So Definitely. so I'm trying to buy myself in, you know. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. So you know, last year I was stuck in this predicament where the entire off season. There was such a big difference to me in the talent between Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa that I was adamant the entire offseason. I was like, the Dolphins need to take Herbert. They need to take Herbert at five. I know Tua has had you know the Heisman-type career, was prolific at Alabama, uh, but just physically more NFL-ready, just who was going to last longer and be a better fit in the NFL. I was all on Herbert. And, and, and grading-wise, it was a very distinct difference. Justin Herbert, for me, was, I believe, my fifth overall graded player in that draft class. And Tua was a first-round grade, but it was lower into, like, the lower teens, early 20s. My thing with this class, because I've said all along, Justin Fields is my number two overall prospect. You know, I, I think most years he would be the number one quarterback prospect of this draft class. My thing is, is Zach Wilson, for me, he's number five. You know, so it's one of those situations. Actually, let me make sure my most recent big board. I've actually got him at four because I had him jump Sewell in terms of grading. So it's one of those situations where, yes, I prefer Fields and I think he's the more complete prospect. It's not a situation of last year where I think one of these guys is a fringe first round talent. I think both are top 10 talents, which is why, look, if they prefer Zach Wilson and the potential that's there, I can understand that since. I think also his floor is going to be right around the same level, uh, potentially, of these top quarterbacks. Right, and, and, and that's exactly it. You know, if you have the number two pick, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, so throw his name out and go get your guy. You know, don't, don't fool around or, 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 you know, make it more complicated than it needs to be. Whichever guy you think is going to be the guy for you, go get it, you know, mm-hmm. and and. I'm bought in to Joe Douglas and what he what he's doing. I really am. I, I really think if you look at most of the decisions he's made, I think that most of them are easy to see that that it was a good decision for the Jets. And and obviously it all comes down to how you draft. And he's only had one draft here, and that book still still to be written. You know, we we can't 
mm-hmm. we can't give them all the credit for these great draft picks until they actually work out. But but the decisions that he makes and the way that he has put together trade packages and stacked picks and and I mean the more picks you have, the more likely you are to hit, right? And right. and I just I trust him. So if he says he wants Wilson, I'm in. You know, if he wants to go and draft Fields, I'm in. Um, and and I do just think I think it would be a really funny dynamic if they do pull the switch and pick Fields, Ooh. just because like every indication is that they're going to go out and get Wilson. So that mm-hmm. would just be crazy if they if it was all just a smoke screen. Um, but again, it's like, what do you who who do you need to trick at this point? What are you hiding? You know, the, right. the draft essentially started starts at two for you, you know, because you already know who's going to go number one. Mm-hmm. And for every other team, it's essentially starting at three. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah. Like last year, it made sense for the Dolphins to float around mixed signals because it's at pick five, and they didn't want to trade up. So it's like, hey, if a team wants one of these quarterbacks, they could trade up easily for them. So it's one of those exactly. situations where it's like, yeah, the Jets know who's – everybody knows who's going at number one. Trevor Lawrence will be the number one overall pick. The draft starts with the Jets, and, and you're you're right. It seems like the Jets start the, – the draft now starts at three. It could potentially start at four since it's already being considered that Mac Jones might be a lock to San Francisco, which if is – If that happens, I, I don't even know what I'll do with myself. Look, I, I think I think it's pretty clear that, that the rest of – the NFL itself is higher on Mac Jones than the media. I think that's just where it is at this point. It's it's it, it, it here's uh, it's it's tough because we don't get the combine. We don't get necessarily the one on ones that, that it, it's a very um, irregular draft process. Mm-hmm. Where now we're sitting here, you know, four weeks away from the draft, and right now it looks like a the league is way higher on Mac Jones than the rest of the media and and really the 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 mass population and B the NFL is, is, uh, you know, selling Justin Fields stock where the rest of us are sitting here. Like, how could you possibly be selling on Justin Fields? Justin Fields has the most confusing draft outlook. I have no idea what's going to happen with him now. I thought his floor was number eight to the Panthers. They've already got their quarterback now with Sam Darnold. So, you know, I just, I have no idea what's going to go on with these quarterbacks, but, um, you know, it, it is crazy that it seems like it seems like Mac Jones is going to be the third overall pick. Um, so the draft yeah. could potentially start at number four. It's interesting to me because I, I was trying to think this through when the 49ers made that trade because, you know, as we know, the staff in the, the, the offensive staff for the New York Jets is essentially the offensive staff from the 49ers. Uh, you know, head coach, defensive coordinator over there, it's all the ties. And so you take a look, and I'm, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, well, who stylistically would these guys try and envision to fit into their offense? And look, I think I think all of the above are fits, but just for different reasons. There are so many things that you can do with, with you know, Fields, Lance, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson. It just depends on at what point do you want them to be the starter. Zach Wilson is a guy to me, and Justin Fields is a guy to me, day one starters, Mac Jones potentially could be, you know, it, it just really depends on, on what the league is seeing that, you know, most of us might be missing out on. And then Lance is that guy that's a little bit more of a project that needs some time, you know, sitting behind a guy. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see because Zach Wilson and Mac Jones are very different quarterbacks stylistically, yet both are going to end up in the same type of offense. So I'm excited to see, you know, how their careers kind of start off because they're going to be running essentially the same playbooks. Yeah. So I, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm counting down the days to, to April 30th because yeah. I am excited to see 
where these dudes land and and what happens you know and 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 it all goes i mean the thing with mac jones is if he gets picked at three the way that i view quarterbacks and i mean i think you can just look at the history of the league and especially in the last 10 years drafting a quarterback in in a high in like a high draft position does not in like it's not indicative of immediate success no there are so many guys who are in the top five or top three quarterbacks of the class i'll say so maybe not the top three picks but there are so many quarterbacks who who haven't worked out you know and so so if you think if again if you think mac jones is gonna be your guy go get it you know why mess around with it take him who cares if the rest of the league or a lot of the other league doesn't agree um so yeah it's gonna be interesting i'm excited but but yeah man this number two pick i'm I'm buying into Wilson, you know, I, I've said the whole time I'm fine with either him or Fields, mm-hmm. and and I really am just going to just gonna hope that the coaching staff that they put together and, and um, LaFleur as the, as the offensive coordinator, I just hope that they can, they can actually help this kid out and, and get some wins, man, or at yeah. least play some competitive football. Definitely. Well, and the story throughout the history, I guess even if you want to just go the last 20 years is... Half of these first-round quarterback picks end up being busts. And so if you take a look at that and you try and compare and see, you know, what situation is like this the Jets drafting Sam Darnold where it's just going to be a shit show. Or, you know, Arizona drafting Josh Rosen and giving up on him within, like, the first month of the season. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, to me, is a product that will not bust. Kind of like Andrew Luck, he had injuries, but from day one, that team was a playoff contender with him. Um, so, you know, Trevor Lawrence, to me, is one of those guys that... Situation aside, yes, Jacksonville is not desirable, and maybe it's starting to become it with Urban Meyer, with some offensive weapons around it. He's a guy, that, to me, that will not bust. Mac Jones, if he goes to San Francisco, look, I know guys being picked in the top five don't end up you know, working out all the time necessarily, but San Francisco traded up to that after having a down year after being in the Super Bowl. So they're, they're a great team, a great situation, one of the best head coaches in football, a great defense, a strong offensive line. To me, whoever goes to the 49ers isn't going to bust. So there's two guys off the board already. The Jets, you have to feel better about this situation than you did with them drafting Sam Darnold just because general manager, head coach-wise, you know, look, Todd Bowles, he's probably going to get a second head coaching gig soon. Uh, within the next couple of years, but it just feels a little bit better this time around. Um, so, okay, maybe he, maybe, you know, Wilson won't bust it all. So then it leads to that Lance Fields area where it's like, man, if they end up in a shitty situation, those could be the guys that end up flopping. Um, or, you know, look, maybe this is the first year that that trend breaks. Who knows? But it's uh, it's just interesting just to take a look because it is kind of flip of a coin who fails and who succeeds at the quarterback position uh, if you're drafted in the first round. For sure, and 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 that's the thing is is you'll talk to a, almost any draft analyst at this point, and they say, you know, I think all five of these top five quarterbacks are are guys that I would like, you know, and yeah. I'd be confident with. All five of them aren't going to be good quarterbacks in the league. No. You know, it's just I can say that with a, with with hundred percent confidence, almost. You yeah, know, because it never happens. It, it's just the way it's just the way that that the game works. You know, and and again, it all comes down to. Where are you drafted? I mean, uh, you look at these dudes who do succeed. You look at Patrick Mahomes, who gets picked 10th and goes to the Chiefs with Andy Reid. You look at Josh Allen, who goes to the Bills with 
with a great new coaching staff, a GM who does things the right way, you know, in his third year after, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Bills had success in his first two years, but in his third year, they get him Stephon Diggs, you know, this Mm -hmm. great player, and and it elevates his game. They do these, Lamar Jackson goes to the Ravens, you know, and then is, is an MVP. It's one of those things where you, I don't, I personally don't think it's that hard to see that the guys who go into the better situations are nine, nine times out of 10 are the ones who succeed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm, I'm the Jets right now. I mean, the, the, the problem with my mindset is that the Jets are the Jets, you know, they're like That's the laughing stock of the league. Yeah. Nothing ever goes right. The goddamn Jets, you know, even when things look like they're going to go right, they don't, you know, you think you have Jamal Adams, this like great defensive player, then he throws a fit and leaves. You think Sam Darnold's going to be the next big thing, then he doesn't get it done. It's just, it's one of those things where it's always disappointing, but I can't remember a time where I've been confident in the front office and the coaching staff all at the same time. And, and to me, it feels different. To me, with Joe Douglas and Salah and all the guys they brought in, it feels different. But again, we're just going to have to sit there and we're going to have to wait and see. Exactly. And you talk about that situation. Zach Wilson, you know, the Jets did spend a little money this free agency. This is kind of where I wanted to, to finish things off is talking about the, the offseason that the Jets have had. I know you've been very oh, yeah. excited about some of these moves. Uh, you know, the, the biggest... Uh, being, you know, signing Corey Davis to a three-year, $37.5 million deal. Uh, of course, signing Bengals pass rusher Carl Lawson. Uh, other signings, you know, taking Lions former first-round pick Gerard Davis at linebacker. Uh, Justin Hardy, Keelan Cole from the Jaguars. Uh, Dan Feely on the interior offensive line. And then LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, let's see, just a few ones left. Uh, Tyler Croft at tight end. Uh, Sheldon Rankin's defensive tackle, and then bringing Tevin Coleman over from San Francisco to play running back. Uh, the the yep. two big ones, obviously, are Carl Lawson and Corey Davis, two guys that essentially were in similar situations. You know, the first three years, for whatever reason, Corey Davis just struggled to really, you know, get out of his own shell. He was targeted a lot early on, uh, but the catching percentage was pretty low. He was dealing with Mariota at that time. Had a really successful 2020 season, uh, all just shy of a thousand yard season on uh, 65 catches. You know, Carl Lawson was stuck behind some bigger names in the Bengals' defensive line for a few years, and then finally got to really show who he was just in time for his payday this past season. Not a ton of sacks necessarily, but was a high production type guy. Um, those are the two foundational pieces. Thoughts on both of those signings before you know we touch on the other small ones? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Carl Lawson, I, I could not be more excited to have gotten Carl Lawson. The, the Jets haven't had an actual good edge rusher in in. Who was the years. last one? Who was the I last mean, one? the last one that was pretty good would be Calvin Pace, who was back when me and My you cousin. were going to Jets camp, we were in seventh and eighth grade in like 2011. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and how good was he would even? Have been, would, have, would have been Jonathan Abram. But for, for years, the, that has been like the need is, okay, we need to get an edge rusher. We need to get an edge rusher. And, and they just don't, you know? Mm-hmm. And this, this off season, there were, there were a lot of, there were a couple guys at the top, that I would have really liked, you know, 
and the fact that they got one of them in Lawson, I just I I, I was just ecstatic when when that news broke. Um, and then and Corey Davis, man, I I am am a guy, and I know this is gonna sound like I'm looking through the the Jets green tinted glasses, mm. which don't get me wrong, I am because this is how I do things. Of I'm an optimist, yeah. but but Corey Davis is a guy that I really bought into last year. Um, just watching him play, and especially, you know, I like to pay attention to fantasy. You know, it gives you a reason, and he had a really productive year. Um, but but Corey Davis is one of those guys where when you watch him play, you can see that he is talented. You know, he gets open. He makes those contested catches. He has a good catch radius. Um, so I personally really like Corey Davis. And when you look at, at the receivers in this free agent class, I mean, obviously um, – Kenny Galladay was the number one guy. I personally don't think that Joe Douglas would have gone out and paid $18 million a year. No. Would I have cared if he did personally? No, because <laughs> I do, I do think there is a point where overpaying is okay when you need to address a need. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't think that Kenny Galladay was really in the running for the jets. Then you look at guys like Juju doesn't do it for me. Curtis Samuel, I would have loved to get, but Curtis Samuel is another guy who, I mean, he was a wide receiver three last year. He was the third receiver on his team, and and that was his first breakout year. You know what I mean? And he's a guy that that I do think is talented, but but he kind of fills the same role as Jameson Crowder. Would have kind of been weird there. Corey Davis was the guy for me that was like, I really want this guy, you know. And they went out and got him, and and. Obviously, who knows? Maybe he just had a good year in his contract year, and and it's not going to work out. But I really think he's the type of guy who can help help a a young quarterback and be reliable. You know, and that's what the Jets have right now in their receiving core with Davis, Mims, Davis and Mims on the outside are both big bodies with with big um, big catch radiuses. You know, and if they can stay healthy and stay on the field, I think that's going to be really helpful. Then you have Crowder, who has proven through the past three years when when nothing else is going right, he's proven that he can be a reliable guy and he can get you he can make plays and, and get it done, you know? So so those two big signings I love. I, I, I really do think they hit it out of the park. Good. Yeah, you know, like you said, it's it's two positions of need. It, it's two things that you know, look, Robert Sala coming in, he needs an edge presence. They had one of the best defensive lines in San Francisco, so he knows the importance of that. And then offensively, look, yeah, you need to give a quarterback people to throw to. And I think early on, too, that was a little bit of a struggle for Sam, you know, at times, whether it be injury or just, you know, guys not, you know, panning out the way that you would want them to. It's like you need to give those quarterbacks, those young quarterbacks, uh, comfortable situations. Um, outside of those top two, is there one guy that you're like, ooh, that's a, a sneaky, could be really good signing? Is there one that you really liked more than others? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, um, I, I'm not going to just pick one here because I really do like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the Rankins and Curry deals, yeah, um, I definitely just, just really like. I, and Rankins... You could say he's overpaid. It's a two-year, seventeen up to seventeen million dollar year, but but they have an out after the first year, so really it's like five and a half million. Um, and then with Vinny Curry, you know, you're just getting guys to bolster that D line, and with with Quinn and Williams and Foley Fadakasi and Jonathan Franklin Myers, I, I really do think that's gonna be that's gonna be a a one of the better D lines in the league. I'm hoping. 
Um, obviously, they need someone to step up and 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 be that other outside edge presence mm-hmm. against or opposite of Carl Lawson. Um, but but they do have the guys who have the potential. I, I mean, Bryce Huff was an undrafted guy who who was kind of like the consensus, like hopeful breakout player this year. He was like the Bleacher Report breakout player. Everyone on Twitter is like hoping for Bryce Huff. You know, you don't want to necessarily rely on an undrafted dude, but but he had a good season last year, and you hope you hope he can build on that. Um, Jabari Zuniga is another guy who kind of plays who kind of plays that edge rusher role. Um, and, and I think we took him in like the fourth round last year and he didn't really look great last year. I don't think he played a whole ton. Um, it got on the field a lot, but, but at least you, you have that potential, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the other guys have, are all proven to be great depth, depth pieces, you know, and if you're D line, the most important thing about D line is having, being able to kind of rotate guys in and, and not losing and not not taking a step down on the talent, you know, mm-hmm. and I really think that that's what the Jets have done. So, so those I definitely really love. Um, Keelan Cole, I think is a really interesting dude because he's one of those guys who's who was a wide receiver four for the Jags all last year, but you you still kind of see like, oh, he's a pretty talented dude, you know, he makes some good he makes some good plays, and and the word was that that he had a pretty pretty decent market a lot of teams were trying to sign him so i think it's really nice that the the jets were able to kind of land him and and get some more reliable backups um Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to have just these random dudes off the street um so yeah i would say that those are probably my favorite but really i mean i like them all marcus joiner i like i'm excited to see him go back to safety instead of playing in the slot gerard davis i mean he's kind of just a guy they're taking a shot on didn't really didn't really live up to his potential but you know maybe with with the coaching of robert sala he can get there Mm -hmm. you know Um, san francisco made a lot out of some some uh mid-round talents at the linebacker position you know fred Fred warner was a guy that i don't even remember where he was drafted but you know way has way outperformed where he was at so maybe there's something there to that as well too exactly and i mean you look you you look at kind of the 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 strategy or the mindset of the Jets coaching staff and front office has pretty blatantly been, we're going to try to take these talented guys who were drafted in, in the first or second round who, who didn't necessarily perform as, as well as they could, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to hope that they can get the best out of these dudes. And I don't hate that approach when you have a coaching staff that you believe in. Um, again, we got to wait until they do it on Sundays and actually coach, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to crown Robert Sala right now, but it does seem like they have the right guys to do that with these players, you know? Um, and then, you know, the other, the other signings, Dan Feeney, just a depth piece, Justin Hardy, good special teams player. Um, I, I, I like to see that they address the special teams. Um, and then Tyler Croft, you know, he's a guy who, who, who did well on the bills last year. He's a good blocking tight end. He can, got a touchdown or two maybe you know so so i like those those a lot um but i do want to kind of talk about the the um negatives of the offseason i guess yeah let's hear it um, what don't you like and really just just the lack of addressing a line is is tough you know mm-hmm. um i'm trying to remember who who uh signed with the chiefs who was the alignment? He was like the best alignment in the class. Yeah, that was uh, that was the Patriots. Uh, was it Tooney? Yeah, Joe Tooney. Yeah, and that was one of those things, you know, the Jets, 
they basically said, this is the guy we're going after, you know, and, and they let some other guys who were, who were higher up on the, on, on the consensus list of, of good old linemen. Um, they kind of disregarded him because they really wanted to go out and get Tooney. Mm-hmm. And the thing was that, that he chose to go elsewhere, you know, and, and the Jets have to pay that Jets tax still. You know, they're not, they're not the most attractive, yeah. attractive place. So they really have to outbid someone if they're going to get some of these bigger guys. And why would, why would Tooney, first of all, he got a huge deal from, from the Chiefs and it's the Chiefs, you know. So you can't really fault them there. But they really haven't addressed the O line, which is tough because really, other than Becton, I mean, you can say Adoga's okay at that right tackle spot, and you can hope that that the center in, in uh, Connor McGovern is is gonna be all right and and kind of kind of not be that bad. But but that inside the inside of that line is is a big question mark, and it's just hard to hope that they're gonna hit on a guard in the draft that's gonna be able to start day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, so that's just unfortunate. You know, I don't really blame them for, for a lack of a plan because I do think they had their plan and it didn't work out. Um, but it is just that having a good O-line is so important. Um, yeah. I really do think that Joe Douglas is going to kind of just say like, Hey, kind of what he did last year, you know, he's going to bring a lot of guys in and hope a couple stick and hope a couple, you mm-hmm. know, stand out from the crowd. And if they don't, they don't, but, yeah. but that's just, it's unfortunate that, that the O-line still needs to be addressed because now I feel kind of pigeonholed at that 23 pick. I think maybe they'll try to trade up to get someone or, or who knows, who knows. Um, and then the other disappointment is just the lack of a cornerback signing. Yep. Um, the one thing I'll say, and, and if you kind of know more about this, I'd love to hear what you have to think about, about who's still out there, but it does seem like there's still good veteran cornerbacks that are on the market. So who knows? Maybe they end up getting someone. Maybe maybe Richard Sherman doesn't end up finding a, a, a contender that he wants to be with. So he says, you know what, I'll go and sign a one-year deal with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But it, it, I'm hopeful that they can still get it done because, again, I don't know how confident I am that they can get a guaranteed starter alignment and a guaranteed starter cornerback in the draft. Right. But... But hopefully they can kind of pick up one of these one of these uh, veterans because right now they have Bless Austin who's 31 and in his like second year um, and and yeah has outperformed how good he should be but there's nothing to write home about and then you're really you're really banking on Bryce Hall who again is just a guy that that kind of I, I don't remember if he was undrafted or like seventh round pick or something yeah, but he UVA. he really. Uh, he, he performed better than, than a lot of people expected last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm ready to, to say, oh, we're good at cornerback. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so, definitely. So that... I wish they did more there. But overall, I do. I like most of the signings that they had. And, and I think they had a good, good offseason. But it all comes down to what they can do with this plethora of picks they have. Right. And that was actually – that was perfectly leading up to my final question because it was going to be about those two positions. It's like, yes, okay, we've – you know – Shuffled some bodies onto the front seven defensively. We've added in rotational guys on the perimeter at wide receiver. Croft at tight end, like you mentioned, Tevin Coleman at running back. There are guys that have been in the NFL have been successful. And, and you're right. The two biggest still, you know, glaring needs that, you know, still to this day, if you ask me, you know, the Jets still have one of the worst offensive lines and still have one of the worst cornerback rooms. So that's the two positions where you're like, okay, what's the plan there? 
Right. The, going back to the Chiefs deal for uh, Tooney, I wouldn't have paid an interior offensive lineman anywhere near that much money. Um, and, and, right, and I don't think Douglas would have either. And, and I hope that that's what it came down to is he wanted him, but he was like, fuck, I can't pay that. Because, I, I mean, that contract, by the end of it, it's going to be it's gonna be something that – I mean, the, you know, obviously NFL contracts, everybody can get out of them these days, but paying that much for a guard is ridiculous. Um, and, and we've seen – Time and time again, these guys leave New England and are never as good as they were in New England. And it's like, hey, you know, it, we, we saw it with Trent Brown. He went to uh, the Raiders, got paid a ton, and then the Raiders are like, fuck, we'll send you back to New England because we're not getting what we thought we were going to get out of you. Um, you know, another guy that's with the Giants right now, uh, who's the tackle? Oh, what's his name? That's going to piss me off that I'm not going to remember it. Um, the but, guy who was drafted last year? No, no, uh, Giants tackle that used to play for the Patriots. He went to the Giants and has just been really underperforming his contract. Um, I'm going to talk to the wrong dude. Yeah, I'm going to pull up his name right now. Um, <laughs> he opted out of last season, so, you know, there's there's not a ton um, to give him crap for last year, but uh, Nate Solder, there he is. So, formerly oh, with there, New England. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that, too. Really underperformed with the Giants. It's like, these guys always leave New England and aren't as good, so why do we pay them a ton of money to leave New England? Um, yeah. So, you know, so so taking a look, uh, you know, who's available? The offensive line free agency is is dead. There's, there's not a guy that's really, um, you know, an impact starter. But you're right, there's a lot of names at cornerback that are still available. You know, you mentioned Richard Sherman. There are a lot of names right now, but a lot of names that, like, if you watch their past season, it's like, ooh, these aren't names anymore. So, like, a guy like, you know, A.J. Bouye, he used to be a top cornerback in this league. Uh, he had a really down year. You've got a guy like Josh Norman, big name, but really has fallen off. Casey Hayward, 32 years old with the Chargers. Um, there are a lot of names that are still out there. Brashad Breeland, uh, Garyon Conley. Jason McCourty, uh, you know, who was formerly with the Patriots. There's a lot of guys that are still available, but it's kind of those things where it's like, okay, what are we getting at this point in the career? The one guy that makes sense, and it's made sense to me all along, is hopefully Richard Sherman ends up with the Jets. I, I know that he probably is trying to win titles now at this point of his career, um, but I don't know what the market is like for him out there. It, it's surprising that he's still available, but um, at 33... Um, and, and, you know, kind of a down year this past season, you know, maybe it's, it's just not, it's there, there just isn't a market for him. So we'll have to see what's going on there. Um, but it was going to tee up my last question. So you've got the number two pick, it's going to Zach Wilson. Um, if not, it's going to a quarterback and then you've got pick 23 and then what pick 35, 34, yeah. 34, sorry. Yeah. 32, 33, 34. So, um, Taking a look then at, at 23, just from what I've seen in a, you know, you know, whether it's mock drafts or my own evaluation, 23 is a range where you would be able to get a top tackle in this class. And there are some tackles that people project as guards. Uh, there are some cards in this class that people project as tackles. It's, it's a very uh, deep class on the offensive line, which is why I think the Jets probably lean and take a tackle with maybe their first, second round pick. Or they could even at 23. The, the the one thing that stands out to me about pick number 23 is there's a cornerback that is falling like hell right now because he's probably not going to play next year. But Caleb Farley is is the most the highest potential corner of this draft class. And proto uh, you know, he's a prototypical corner for this defensive scheme. He's a very long cornerback with great speed and fluidity. Uh, he's a guy that I've mocked him in my last two mock drafts to the Jets at 23. He's a guy that, I mean, if he's available at 23, if he falls that far, it needs to be the Jets pick. But in your opinion, at pick 23, 
Who would you rather have them go first? You know, offensive line or cornerback at this point? Yeah, you you know, for me, it really comes down to to what kind of value they can get while they're there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Definitely. So if if again, if there's a guy they love that at corner at O line that they're confident is worth that pick, then go for it. But what I wouldn't want to say is is okay. Well, we need an we need a guard. So here we are at pick twenty three. The top guards have all come off the board, but we're just going to take a shot on the next guy because we need to fill a hole. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I think it's kind of one of the interesting dynamics of this offseason as a whole is that, I mean, rightfully so, Jets fans are are anxious, you know, and they're sick of being bad, and they don't want to say. I mean, you said this guy isn't going to play next year. Um, that would that would blow up a the fan base to draft a guy like that just because they want to win now. That's what the fans say. What I think is that good organizations who've shown success have, have built their teams this way and and it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen in an off season, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that we're going to sit here and the jets are going to be, the jets aren't going to, I don't think the Jets are going to be this playoff team next year. You know, if they were, it's sick. But I don't think that's going to be the case. But what I want to see is them to be a competent team who plays competitive games that aren't over in the first quarter, you know, and and you you have your rookie quarterback and he gets a year under his belt. Hopefully he, he throws some touchdowns, has a good year, maybe loses some close games. And then next year, oh, what do you know? We have all these other picks, you know? Mm -hmm. So me personally... I'd say I'd rather go corner um, just simply because I think that we have a more glaring lack of just talent and and anything at corner. I mean, offensive line, you can at least sign guys to kind of just throw in and hope that they stick. But, but really I just, I want them to, I, I, I don't want them to ruin the value of that pick, especially when you then have another pick at 34. And that's why I really think it would be likely that the Jets either move up from 23, which Joe mm-hmm. Douglas hasn't done yet, but I do think that this is an opportunity when you have this much capital to put a package together like that if there's a guy they love. Yeah. Or I, I could also easily see them move back from 23, try to get a couple more picks if they don't think there's a guy who's going to be of that value right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it has to be one of those two positions, in my opinion. Is there any other position where you would be okay with them drafting at twenty three? Because to me, it's it's cornerback or offensive line. No, yeah, I agree with you, um, and and that's what's kind of annoying is is I don't like being pigeonholed into that. It would have been nice if right. they could have gotten a guard. But again, kind of what you were saying with these kind of dead markets, and and with the cornerback market with these guys who, yeah, maybe they're big names, but might not be the most productive i don't think that joe douglas is the type of guy to force things mm-hmm. you know i don't think that he is going to uh i don't think he's gonna kind of take these big swings um just to just to do it so i kind of forgot what your question was honestly no i was gonna say is there any other position to take oh they... yeah, yeah yeah so i mean if they if they took an edge rusher that they love yeah that'd fine that'd be mine um, if they took a running back, which they keep getting mocks, Ugh. Etienne or Harris, I'd probably try. 
but at the same time, I'd be excited to have those guys. But like yeah. that would be so stupid, especially with the offensive line and, and corner needs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, really, any other position other than edge, and I'll I'll probably be disappointed. Yeah, I'd be fine with running back at 35, honestly. I know that's still probably a little bit too early for how many needs that are there, but it just depends who they yeah. take at 23. But I agree, Edge would be the only other one. You know, get a young guy to go opposite Carl Lawson. Um, there are a few guys that could be available that are... That are and you correct know, me if I'm wrong, this is a pretty good Edge class, correct? It's a deep class, definitely. I just yeah. actually, I sent out my, my Edge pro, pro prelim profiles today. Yep, um, I got that in my email. And, um, you know, there, there are, you know... You know, four guys that could go in the first round, um, and, and then there's a lot of guys that I think I think you could get. You know, ten guys taken in day two between rounds two and three. It's a it's a very deep class. So I would I would honestly prefer for the Jets to probably go that way and to try and nab a top offensive lineman or corner in the first. But um, you know, if they can land one of the top four guys, it's you know Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Those two are by far and away my favorites. Then you've got Aziz Ojalari out of uh, Georgia. And then fourth, a lot of people have Gregory, Gregory Rousseau um, out of Miami who opted out this past season. I lean Jason Owe uh, out of Penn State. I think he's just got more potential there. But you're right. Very, very deep class. So it would be probably a little bit better to address that on day two. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. look, man. I mean, and again, my whole take on the draft, I'll, I'll most likely, I mean, again, don't take like some random position at those picks when you have these glaring needs at corner and yeah and o-line but but i'm gonna buy myself into whatever these guys do of course because i really do believe that that they're that they're gonna make the right decisions in the draft you know Mm -hmm. and you just gotta hope that they hit on these picks and 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 that they can continue to to build this team the right way you know and then you look at next year with with they still have a lot of draft capital, and they just added a second and a fourth with the Darnold trade. You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a process for, for this team, but but I I do think they they're at least in the position to get themselves there. Definitely, yeah, they're one of the more interesting teams in all of football currently. Just in my eyes, just with you know just the fresh start, the quarterback, the head coach, the free agent signings, the amount of draft picks. And being in a big market like New York, which is why I'm glad that, you know, we do have the opportunity to talk with you, you know, a Jets fan out of this and a guy who really is passionate about the team to uh, to kind of dive through this. So, you know, I appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about the Jets before we uh, before we get going? No, man. I, I mean, I think we covered it. But, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely appreciate being on and getting to dive in. And, and I think it's fun to do a like a whole Jets Jets themed thing because – yeah, you know the Jets are not the most popular team in, in the country. You know, no, there's but, not a lot of Jets fans outside of New York. But, but it's always but, nice. But I do. I, I I think they're in an interesting position, and I mm-hmm. think that they have the potential to become this kind of fun team with a fun coach and, and a good quarterback. But yeah, now, nationwide we're have to wait and see. Nationwide fan base or not, they're one of the more intriguing teams in the league right now, just with everything that they've got going on. I mean, it started, you know, as I said, with the Darnold trade recently, and then. I mean, now everybody shifts to what this team is going to look like next year. Right now, yeah. gun to your head, Zach Wilson is the number two pick. What's the Jets' record next year? 17 games, don't forget. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping we'll they do... can get at least seven wins, okay. seven and ten. Okay. That, that's kind of my barometer. Yeah. If, they, if they're five five wins and under, I'm really going to look at it as a, as a, 
as a lost season, like as just a disappointment, maybe yeah. not a lost season, but a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really hoping they can get to seven wins. I, and, and I just, I, I want to say that's just such an interesting thing to say, because again, there's so many Jets fans who will be, Oh, we've been doing this for years. I'm so <laughs> sick of being, I'm so sick of being one year away, but you never really were one year away with Adam Gates. You never no. really were one year away when you had Mike McCann, Mike McCagnan or John Idzik running your drafts, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, that's, that's why I say I've never felt confidence in both the coach and, and the, the free agency. And I mean, you just go back and you look at those draft classes and there's a reason that the Jets had the worst roster in the league last year. You know, you, you see these guys who are drafted in the first, second, third round, we're out of the league. So I, I really, I think that this is the beginning. If they can get seven wins, I'd be excited. So that's where I'm going to put them right at seven and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll make a little run of things. Yeah, it'll definitely be a fun season in the AFC East in general. It's it's crazy. It's you know next year I expect it to be probably the most competitive division in the entire conference. I don't see. I mean the North if if Cincinnati could get going, but I see a real instance where if the Jets can be in that seven win range, it almost rivals what the NFC West was last year, where it's like yeah, all four of these teams because I expect New England to be good again. Buffalo is great, and I love Miami. So uh, the Jets are kind of that fourth team where it's like, hey, man, if they can get things going, this can be a really tough division. It'll be the best division in football. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ted. Well, it's been great having you on again. I know we'll talk soon and right after this, but I appreciate it as always. And uh, any 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 last words, man, we'll uh, send things off. Nah, man, just go Jets. Go Thanks Jets. for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed diving in. Yeah, we'll have you back on after the draft, and then we'll go through all that, all, all what they did wrong. When when Mac Jones is your starting quarterback next year, <laughs> we'll, we'll come on Mac and talk Jones about and that. Najee Harris. Oh, are, my are God. The first text. That'd be perfect. All right, man. All right, buddy. Take care. Yep.